Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective You could be anywhere listening to anything, so you're right here with us, and we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me I have the crew. Of course, I got my boy in the place to be. He is the creator and host of the Raw Sex Podcast, coming to you every single Friday out there in podcast land. I'm talking about none other than Cousin Damo, Dominique Marks, here with me again today. Make sure y'all checking out and following Raw Sex. Subscribe to the Raw Sex Podcast and follow him online at Raw Sex Podcast and all sex podcast one on twitter and of course as well with me i have my boy jo here in the place to be and we're about to chop it up again here y'all I want to thank uh, once again the fans everybody out there thank you for showing love on youtube and of course always on instagram facebook and on twitter as well we love the interaction that we're getting from everybody and love the love that we're getting on youtube so please continue to spread the word out there continue to as we always say tell a friend to tell a friend As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And today we have yet another bonus episode, a bonus segment of Cards, Dominoes, Drinks and Smoke. The last one we did last week went so well, so we decided to go ahead and do another one. This time around, we're doing the year of 2001, a year in review. 20 years ago this year, There's a lot of things that are meeting its 20th anniversary in this year of 2021, looking back at 01. So just, uh, you know, a lot of things happened that year. It was a big year overall in society. There were a lot of watershed moments that happened that year and things that happened that continue to reverberate throughout history and throughout society today. And in hip hop, there are a lot of things that happened that year that sort of reverberated and set the tone for a lot of things that are happening today as well. So, y'all, we get into it. 2001, um, 20 years ago, just an idea as far as where I was at. Well, me and Jay, we were in school together at Morgan. That was the second semester of my freshman year as we entered the year. Uh, it was a particularly, for me, uh, kind of a interesting and exciting time because, um, and the music definitely played uh, as a soundtrack to that. I mean, I know, Jay, you can speak to, Man, just being out and around, that being your first year at Morgan, the soundtrack of the music that you can sort of still hear in your mind today from partying and being out places and me thinking about those experiences at places like Baltimore Live and 320 Mm. in the tunnel and Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit. you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) And that soundtrack of being able to hear those tracks from like Jay-Z, from Ja Rule, from Fabulous, from Ludacris, to you know the reggae tracks with stuff like Baby Sham and Bounty Killer and Beanie Man, 
you know, and hearing the R&B tracks from like Destiny's Child and hearing stuff from Missy and Eve. So just a lot of good things that bring back those memories for those times we was at Morgan, bro. I always think about that soundtrack a lot. And when I went back to 01, my mind went right back to that. Right. Like, and even like, even like on a local level, you know, that's being up, up there in Baltimore, like, you think about like local like joints like Tim Trees and Nature's Problem like that yeah. bank rolls joint bank rolls and um, shake his shorty yeah. like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah buddy being in Baltimore definitely yeah mm-hmm yeah I mean it definitely made their contributions to our hip hop too I mean yeah people might have forgot about that but I mean they definitely did and drinks were definitely party rockers too so they were man they definitely were also sort of like thinking about that particular time. And the fashion, I think about that fashion back then, too, you know, and remembering that it was a lot of dudes that were bleak clones with the with the fitted caps tilted at a 45 mm-hmm. degree angle with the uh, do rag <laughs> underneath of it. You know what I'm saying? And you had our fashion from back home. We had, the, you know, Bama's with the Harley jackets and all types of stuff like, all, you know, the NASCAR racing jackets, the headbands, the Rubber bands around the, sh- I mean, all types of stuff, man. It was crazy. And the- was to, and, oh, and, gl- and glittered out, too. Yep, and gl- yeah, glittered out. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. And Damo, so this was, as you always say, I left you behind, man, during this time. You know what I'm saying? I left and went home and left, and you, you were left to fend for yourself in the halls of BHS, man. But what is it that you remember from that particular time period, 01? 01, man. Prom. Oh one, Mm, nine eleven. Not graduating on time. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) and that hurt me, dog. That hurt me when you told me that you wasn't. I was like, damn, that's crazy, man. Oh one, did we go to that? Oh, oh, Bowie Roosevelt Championship yeah, game. Yeah, Bowie Roosevelt <laughs> Championship game, man. For those of y'all who are listening in Prince George's County, our high school, Bowie High School, won the state championship at the end of that year. And me, Damo, mm-hmm. and a couple other friends went to go see them play and beat our arch rival in the state championship game. And you got to remember, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, Roosevelt, I said, I remember like my freshman year, Roosevelt smacked the shit out of us at homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my senior year, actually. We played Roosevelt at homecoming. That year, they won the Nash- They won the uh, the state championship. They went undefeated that year, and they beat us at homecoming like 46 to nothing or something like that. I mean, they smashed us, and they was disrespectful, too. They came up, and the Palms would put that, like, the little, you know, powder balls and stuff like that, like, go BHS or go Bulldogs or number whoever, and the Bama's lined up and pissed on that joint on the fence. And they were wow. disrespectful throughout the entire game because they were good and they knew they were good. And they knew yeah, they used to smack yeah, us around. Yeah, yeah, they was disrespectful and it was satisfying seeing them, seeing us beat them. And I just beat them, but destroy them on we the field that day. Huh? Wasn't it 21-9? It was like 20-something to six. Like they scored a touchdown at the very end. We wanted to shut them out. So, yeah, that was a lot of things happening. And just so you can understand, some of the events and things that happened during – uh, 2001. So in the beginning of that year, and Jay can even remember this as well, and Super Bowl, it was, I believe it was Super Bowl 30, 35, the Baltimore Ravens defeated the New York Giants in the Super Bowl in the beginning of that year. It was big for us because we were in Balt- we were in Baltimore. And um, during that year, that team seemed to be a team that just, be- when they got in the playoffs, they got high and nobody could beat them. 
it was annoying because people <laughs> came into that school year thinking that the skins were going to make a run for the Super Bowl because they had Dion and Bruce That's Smith true. and all these other people mm-hmm. and. We didn't even make the playoffs, and Baltimore gets into the not only gets into the playoffs, but they get to the Super Bowl, and they win. And win, yeah, yeah. So, and so, it was nuts down there too. And it was nuts downtown after they won, and they showed the, on the news all night long. So <laughs> they won the Super Bowl. Um, later on that year, heading into that summer, a very important film came out that's not necessarily tied to hip hop, but I think has became a part of the hip hop and also of pop culture. The Fast and the Furious came out yep. June 2001 when we went home for summer break. And I can honestly tell you back then, I don't think any of us knew how big of a film that was going to become. And that the fact now that they've had, what is it now? Eight movies. And now they're planning on uh, having, I think, two, not I think 10. Nine. Yeah, nine movies. And now they're planning on having, I think, up to 10. But that movie back then, it was a it was a movie that I think everyone got into, one, because it was about fast cars and it was about street racing. And nobody really knew who Vin Diesel was other than watching stuff like Pitch Black because that's really what we knew him from. Uh, nobody kind of knew as, as much about Paul Walker, though he had been in a couple of teen movies leading up to that mm-hmm. point. But the two of them had a, became a part of this movie franchise and it became bigger than almost anyone could imagine. But that that film in particular had Paul Walker, had Vin Diesel, uh, had Michelle Rodriguez, also had um, uh, shit. That's the reason why ja I didn't see it because it's Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, she does have like a air about her, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah she does. She came from girl fights. So I was like, oh, I gotta go. I'm going mm-hmm. to see my baby. I've been going to see this. And then Ja Rule was actually also in the very first Fast and the Fur- Fast and the Furious, and he was only in there for like fifteen minutes, and he was gone after that first and opening scene. But that became a big part of the culture because then all of a sudden people started to get back into exotic cars, and street racing then became a really really big part of the culture after that. And you see people running around with exotic cars all of a sudden, the lights underneath the cars, yeah. and then, then mm-hmm. it really started a revolution where it became eventually into hip-hop culture. You see people rolling around with fat phantoms and Lamborghinis and all these exotic cars, and everybody wanted to do those same things. Yeah, that's the hardest. Because like when I got down to Florida, them boys were street racing for real when oh, I yeah. was down there. That <laughs> shit was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Low cars, cars, but they can go over the speed bump. You got to go over the speed bump extra slow to the side. A pothole. Yeah. Oh, I'm a my boy. He hit... He had the Honda Prelude. That joint was so low. I was like, I said, I hate getting in this car. Because mm-hmm. a, a, a normal car ride might take 10 minutes to get from here to Crystals. And that joint going to take 20 minutes ride with him because he got to go over everything. But, boy, when we got in the, and he got the street racing going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that joint was love. Yeah. and Got it's- chased by the cops one night and everything. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't catch him, though. It, it spawned a lot of different sequels too. The 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 Too Fast Too Furious with Tyrese and Ludacris, and eventually involved a lot of other people. Bow Wow mm-hmm. being in Tokyo Drift. With Tokyo Drift. Yeah, and then, that one. Yeah, I mean, but you know, but that's an important important part of the series, as we found out eventually in yeah, the lineage of everything. The Asian guy. Over. Yeah, Han, and and oh, and then man. eventually you saw the involvement of all the whole crew coming together with Tyrese and and uh, and Ludacris and The Rock and Jason Statham, and it became a huge, huge series, but it started, and that was that summer, it was a really popular film for people in our age group to go see. Later on that summer, though, the unthinkable happened, and I remember when this happened, Jay, because I was actually in the dorm room with Rollins, 
Um, mm-hmm. In August of 2001, everybody woke up one morning and we heard the news that Aaliyah had died. And that was a gut punch because nobody expected it. Like, literally, when my roommate told me, he said, he's, I guess he was reading it on his computer. And you know how the dorm rooms, you're setting up next to each other. So I can't see his screen because I'm at my computer. He's at his computer. Mm-hmm. And he said, dog, what I'm about to tell you is going to crush you, y'all. I was like, what? He said, young Aaliyah died. And like those two words he said, like literally were like a left hook and then a right hook. And it was just like, what do you mean Aaliyah died? Like we had just seen her that week on 106 in Park, giving away the Escalade by a right. dude who went to Morgan, as a matter of fact. That dude who won the Escalade was a Morgan student. And it was so crushing because she was really big at the end of that decade. We were anticipating that new album had come out and there was more hits that were coming out from that album. And then all of a sudden, when she went down to the Bahamas to go shoot the rock the boat video, we found out that the plane had crashed and she had died. It was crushing news for a lot of us in our age group because we were just like, yo, she was really just starting to get started. Like she had a lot of potential still in front of her, even after a phenomenal career. So for like a week or so, and for almost like two weeks or so, that cloud was sort of hung over the music community, man. I just, I remember being devastated listening to that. Um, and hearing I that remember like, cause, um, yeah, cause I remember like, um, this, I mean, I think maybe like the day after that is when I was going back to campus, but like I actually heard about it that night. Cause like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, for whatever reason I was listening to it on radio, I thought I heard somebody say a lead. I'm like, nah, I ain't talking about that. And then I got... You know what I'm saying? Hold on my mother's drain, like, so I just to turn on MTV. Because, you know, MTV would just keep kind of up to the minute as far as, like, major events like that. Yeah. And then, like, they had, like, the whole breaking MTV news brief, and that's when they made the announcement, like, um, singer Leah tragically was, her life was cut short today in the Bahamas with a plane crash. Yeah. So I damn it, you saw my gut, I damn it threw up when I heard that shit, man. Yeah. Like, for real. Yeah. It was just that devastating. And then, because it's like, it wasn't like, you know, illness where you got caught up in some street stuff and got took out or something like that. The this is Aaliyah we're talking though. about. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. And the plane just, crash. I, I heard of it earlier because my people was, was dialed in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I and they hurt me like because I met her one time when I was like, yo, no. I was like, I ain't I was that young, a little emotional, a little allergy. I was like, hey, for real? Yeah. I thought I was going to get a little bit older and get to have a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I definitely, I I, I ain't going to lie, I definitely shed a couple of tears because it was sad, man, because it was like in a plane crash. And then afterwards, when you hear about the the aftermath of what led to that plane crashing, it's like, yo, this shit really could have been avoided, you know? Like, that's the thing I think more than anything else. After we started hearing the stories come out, it even hit you even harder. And um, I I feel you, Dom. Yeah. And I feel you, Damo. I had um, a friend of mine who actually worked at BET Soundstage when it was still still up, you know, and the mm-hmm. restaurant right around our way. And he actually served her at a table with people, and he said that she was the nicest person in the world. Mm-hmm. Like she did not, she didn't act like she was stuck up. She wasn't demanding. She smiled. She said thank you. Everything asked him. I mean, all, all that stuff. So man, when you see good stuff like that happen to good people, man, and um, it almost hit me almost as hard when Pac and Biggie died. No lie. When I was introduced to her, I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I was like... Yeah, you were stunned, right? Just like <laughs> like literally... You can say hello. Like, <laughs> like when you walk in front of somebody that... Be- and, and I bet you when you walked in front of her, she was as beautiful as she looks over television and in pictures. She was probably that much more in person. And the crazy, yeah, I didn't even yeah. have that same reaction when I got around uh, Destiny Child. I was cool, mm-hmm. but with her, I was in that zone. Like, yeah, 
Just in awe. Yeah, just in awe. Like, uh, right. <laughs> right. Stuttering and shit. Can't even find your words. Mm-hmm. She had that She had that effect on people, man. It, it was sad. But not even three weeks later, everybody's world was changed when 9-11 happened. I was on campus again. I found out about and was in the cafeteria when the second tower hit. So it was almost like that whole day it was like in a fog. Because it was just like, dog, is this shit really happening? Like, this is like some shit that you see on a movie. Like, mm. like it was, <laughs> like, I knew it was real when they canceled classes for the rest of the day. When they were like, yo, no more classes. Just no, don't come to class. And luckily that was on a Tuesday. So it was a slow day class day. But it was just like, wow. That shit really kind of struck and hit people. Like, yo, this shit, like, yo, they literally took buildings out. Like, Pentagon got hit and building. You know the, yeah, like the plane that hit the Pentagon flew right over my grandfather's shop because I remember I was walking to work and I get to work and the plane go right over there. I said, Dad, that, that my, me and my grandfather was outside. I was like, Man, that plane low. Wow. Why was gonna fly? Like 10 minutes later, just like on the news. Like, of course, we looking at not the New York, the towers. Next thing you know, what? Pentagon. My grandfather, that's the one that just flew over because yeah. it will never fly. No planes don't ever fly this low fly over here. Low. I'm like, yo, what yeah. the, the hell is going on? Yeah. That was going to say, like, because, like, you know, plus, like, going back to your point there, Brian, like, you know, a lot of us up in Morgan were either from, like, D.C. or New York areas, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, and then cause, because, in fact, that was my late day. So I actually woke up late, kind of like after the fact. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be up all night hanging out, kicking it, whatever. Kicking it, yeah. I turn on, because we still have Fox 5 News in DC up there. I see Manhattan Island in smoke. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then, like, I see the train in the Pentagon. Like, they said a plane hit there. And then I saw, like, the playback of it. So, first thing I'm thinking is, like, call home. Yeah. Couldn't call home. Couldn't call home. Yep. Like, none of us yeah. called it DC or New York. It was just shut down. Yeah. And then, like, I do remember, like, class being canceled. I think I got kicked out of, like, three buildings just trying to, like, because I didn't want to be in my room. Like, yeah, it was just, like, this eerie feeling, like. Yeah. And plus, like, you know, because, like, my, my, uh, my mother, like, she'll sometimes have to go to the Pentagon on business. So, like, I'm extra worried, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, by the grace of God, man, she was cool. She had to go over there and, you know what I'm saying, it was still a tragedy. Yeah, it definitely was. It was. That was the first time that I learned about using a cellular cellular network and not being able to get a call outgoing for hours. Like that was that was a scary, scary moment. And like you said, it hit home for a lot of us there at Morgan because the, the big part of the student body was from the DMV and from New York. So for a lot of folks, it hit home because it was so close to home and it was so close to everything that we knew to be this this sort of like this these pillars of like American society. And that was really the what led to eventually what's now still the longest running war in American history is the war in Afghanistan, um, which happened later on that year. Um, and then to sort of talk about heading into hip hop things. Well, 2001 was the year when Jay-Z and Nas beefed. And <laughs> that was the year when uh, everything sort of came to a head. They had kind of been as Damo, we talked about this during the tail of the tape last year. They had been subliminally sort of dissing each other for like three or four years before then. But when Nas dropped the H to the M O, the homo freestyle, dissing not just dissing Jay when it had come to a head, that's when Jay felt like he had to bring out Takeover, which was on Blueprint, which was produced by Kanye West. 
which really was disrespectful to a lot of different for a lot of different reasons. And because he dissed not only Nas on that, but also Prodigy from Mob Deep. And um, the whole third verse was about Nas. And it was literally like tearing a shred everything about Nas uh, that was out there. And it was a big talk a lot about about a lot of it because Blueprint dropped on 9-11, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it was in the atmosphere for a long ass time until we knew that Nas was coming out with the new album and we heard that things might have been a little different. We didn't realize how different it was going to be until, well, we got the first single about Got Yourself a Gun, which folks kind of rocked with. But on December 4, 2001, Nas dropped probably the illest diss track ever in Ether. And after that, the stakes got raised to a whole nother level because we already knew that Nas was coming for Jay-Z's neck and he wasn't leaving any doubt whether or not he was going to go for the juggler because he went for it. And it was the talk for a long-ass time on radio on our campus and you had people either you was team jigger or you was team nas that was it there was no in between for any either of it you couldn't be like oh well you know i kind of like both of them it was like nah nigga you got to pick sides who you with (laughs) (laughs) but it was somewhat it was somewhat like that even before they even went that way yeah (laughs) everybody was team team nas or team jigger yeah it definitely was um especially because people thought that jay had had surpassed Nas in those years after right around Nostradamus and after, between Nostradamus and, and Stillmatic. It was like Jay had pretty much ascended to the crown and not just New York, but in the game, period. What followed after that from 2001 was a number of different disses, including Super Ugly, which, you know, Jay went a little too crud, so his mom's chastised him and made him apologize. And then there was also then a couple of other subliminals with Nas. Jay came back again with the um, Blueprint 2 track, um, H-O-V-A. I got my mojo back, baby, old behave, where he went at Nas again. Mm-hmm. And then Nas kind of ended the battle with the last real nigga alive. After that, there was really nothing else that could be said because Nas said it all. That battle at the end of that year, the fact that Blueprint was a classic, the fact that and it was a got the five mic rating in the source, and then Stillmatic came around, and that got the five mic rating in the source. Was almost like, okay, can you top this? I ain't gonna lie, I like Jay Z, but I was Team Nas all the way. So when Nas wouldn't respond, I was just like, yo, what is this nigga doing, man? Like this nigga's about to, this shit is about to be over for this nigga. Like what an ominous end for one of like the brightest stars in hip hop, with one of the best starts ever to go out this way. And man didn't let me down. He didn't let me down. So, and they continued that for a little couple of more years until they actually reconciled in 2005. And then as a joint venture, Jay brought Nas on board to Def Jam to for that three album deal, which, um, which, and they did work together, you know what I'm saying? So they found a way to be able to build after all the stuff. And yeah, I get it. Yeah. Biggie and he's puffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. There were some lines um, mm. in that I battle. And all the diss songs that they had, there were some lines there that you kind of sit back and be like, damn, yo, like. I don't know how you could be friends with a nigga after some shit like that, especially after this shit with Jay talking about his baby mother, you know what I'm saying? But right. obviously Nas didn't give a fuck because he was just like, oh, her, man, fuck that bitch, <laughs> I guess. That's she, the way that he carried tried, it. Even she tried to monetize after that because she, oh. she dropped that book. She did. And you know what the crazy mm-hmm. thing in that book is, is that she kind of 
kind of went after Nas and kind of went after Jay too, because she said that when she went over to Jay's crib, that it was a like a shrine to Nas there with the first Illmatic Deluxe Edition or something like that, like Collector's Edition. It was almost like the nigga had a mini shrine to Nas in his house. So it's like, yo, how you gonna put the man out there like that, yo? It's crazy. Right. So yeah, so. But oh one, it was a lot of things that came out this year. Um, it really when we talk about some of the years we talked about, about before, not really a stacked year per se, as far as when it comes to classic things that have come out, but a lot of solid projects. And I remember co- copping a lot of releases. My way of copping releases around that time was mainly through file sharing. It was through peer to peer networks. It was Kazaa. Song Spy, because that was one that was there that actually was my favorite uh, peer-to-peer network, and LimeWire, because I was definitely the biggest one at that particular time. Um, LimeWire. Yeah. Kids don't know about LimeWire. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> like, definitely Kazaa, Airy, Song Spy, LimeWire were all the ways I was finding ways to be able to get those albums. I definitely wasn't buying them during that time because a nigga was broke in college, you know? So, <laughs> but. Oh, I, w- I was buying CDs. Yeah, yeah. I, Man, I would buy, buy some, but, like. Yeah. Like, because I remember, like, after, because um, I had just missed the train as far as Napster, but then, like. Um, Audio Galaxy came out. I don't, I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, like, yeah. That definitely did justice too. Like 2000, 2001, so they shut that down. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They always shut something down. They shut them joints <laughs> down, man. Definitely. So, just like we did with 96, fellas, we're going to go through surprising, uh, anticipated, and disappointing albums from that year. So, um, I'll actually go ahead and start with you, Jay. We'll start with your, your most anticipated album from that year. What album did you anticipate the most leading up to that year that you were like, yo, I can't wait till this shit come out. I can't wait till it comes out. I need to hear it. Just piggybacking off early, like, you know, um, Blueprint and Stillmatic. And this one, this one might kind of like be a surprise, but like um, Sticky Fingers during Black Trash Autobiography of Kirk Jones. Autobiography of Kirk Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like Sticky's called, um, his first debut, the debut uh, uh, solo album, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um. How can I forget um, that past Troy face off drink? Cause mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like people stepped on Troy, man, as far as like, you know, his production skills. I mean, mm-hmm. outside of everything, him trying to diss no limit and all that. Yeah. Um, but he definitely brought on that drink. And then D12's Devil's Night. Mm-hmm. Cause of course that's like in the middle of like Eminem. And then he bringing his crew on and you know what I'm saying? We still had proof with us. And like, you know, you just kind of anticipated what they had to bring. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jay to kiss, kiss the game goodbye. So, mm. um, yeah, definitely. I can remember the anticipation coming around that, especially because everybody was waiting for Jada to do a solo joint. And oh my god, I don't know how I almost forgot, but like Project Pat, Mister Don't Play, everything's working. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that brings back some memories. Like hitting up some spots, like cruising around, like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Like, and it was it was kind of funny. I guess I guess you can classify that under under crunk, if anything. Like you know, even though it is like down south hip hop, but more so on the side of crunk. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I would say also uh, Red Man Malpractice. Mm-hmm. As far as James, I was anticipating. I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Um, I guess it's all the ones I could think of right now as far as like what I anticipated. Yeah. True. Dama, what about you? What were you anticipating during that year that you wanted to hear the most? I was, was mob deep, infamy. Mm, okay. okay. You know, of course, Nas Stillmatic. Uh, Benny Siegel, The Reason. Mm. Fabulous, you know, Ghetto Fabulous. Yeah, Cause I thought Fabulous was on his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of us thought he was too. Aaliyah's album, mm-hmm. Cisco's album, Return of the Dragon, because mm-hmm. you know he had thongs on cranking, but you know we wanted the album. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that was about it. I, you know, because I really wasn't a big J fan then, so it didn't mm-hmm. matter that Blueprint. Somebody was, oh, you know the Blueprint? Uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I would say for me, my most anticipated albums that I was looking for during that particular time, um, I definitely was looking towards Stillmatic uh, for obvious reasons, because I was so glad that Niles was coming back out with something and I was hearing good things about it. And I didn't I thought that I would I would be pleased, but I was overwhelmed by what I got after, you know, what I'm saying that atrocity that was not only just Nostradamus, but then also the QB's finest album. You know, what I'm saying that both of them mm-hmm. joints was, you know, some hot trash. And then the other one, actually, that I was anticipating a lot that, you know, was Luda's word of mouth, you know, because I was a one. Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by what I had heard from Luda. That freshman year when I came out, when he came out with Back for the first time, you know, I knew that he definitely had some bars. And for a dude from Atlanta, he definitely made some music that banged. So I was looking forward to that when it came out. You know, that joint had to roll out and, you know, area codes and everything else. So I was kind of looking towards to see what he would do as a follow-up to that. So those were my two anticipated. Now, what album, when you listen to it, that it surprised you. What, what about that, Jay? Did you listen to something, anything that surprised you in particular that has been like it was it exceeded your expectations? That Sticky Fingers Black Trash Train, because I didn't expect it no, to be a storyline album. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, just like the humor that was involved, the production, and mm-hmm. especially the joint, um, I don't know if you call it, man, like the joint, the State versus Kirk Jones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like, I heard, I listened to that joint to the very end. I was like, that's hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I had to call yeah. my man's up, like, and let him listen to it over the phone, like, because I think somehow I got it first, but, like, yeah, I got it before he did. He usually gets albums before me, and, like, you know how it was, like, it was, it seemed like it was more or less like a Jersey thing with the exception of Sticky being from Brooklyn, so it was, like, it was Cannabis, Rod Digger, Red Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm trying to think was anything else, anybody else in there, but, like, just that whole way the thing played out in the courtroom, I was, like, he he said the same thing, like, dude, that's hip-hop. Yeah. Just the creativity level of it. As far as anything else is surprised, well, not we. Well, I guess they exceed my expectations. I say, stillmatic. Everything considered, you know, like, you know, for him that to be kind of like a comeback for him for um, for Nas. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like creativity wise, like because I love the song Rewind. Yeah, yeah, you, know? you can't <laughs> can't get much better than that, man. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, what I'm saying just like the whole backwards journey, and then um, yeah, one mic and I'm trying to think what else. But then second childhood, like you know, just like all these other joints on there, but um. See, as far as anything else I heard that would like exceed expectations, I would say the D12 joint and the past Detroit joint, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I was more, oh, I don't, don't say I'm less open minded now, but like, I wasn't as, I was a little more welcoming, even though, even could take, even taking Bizarre's lyrics into consideration. Mm-hmm. Like, nowadays, like, I don't know if I want the energy around me, especially the shit Bizarre was talking about on those tracks. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Nah, I hear you. <laughs> Yeah, so so Damo, what about you? What what exceeded your expectations from that year? Something that you probably weren't expecting to be as good as it was when you finally listened to it. Ti's, I'm serious. Mm. Okay. I wasn't expecting that one to be what it was because one of my one of my cousins put me on to that, and I was like, I was like, all right, I was like, oh, all right. I was like, who the? Okay, you don't put me on to something, cause I said mm-hmm. this this is all right. Yeah, yeah. T.I.'s I'm Serious is something that didn't get a lot of promotion from the label, and it flopped sales-wise. But if you talk to anybody who listened to it back then, they'd tell you it was it was the start of something. Like, people know that T.I. had something in there, you know, and 
it's a shame that not people didn't really know about who he was until two years later when he dropped trap music. You know what I'm saying? And at mm-hmm. that point, then everybody knew who he was. So, well, and, uh, Comega the realness. Mm, see, that's a that's a key one right there. That's yeah. a key one right there with Mega the realness. Yeah, because I've been waiting for it. it. Seemed like something happened with him and Nas and them that they didn't get back together the way they supposed to, but. I was like, all you was hearing was Comega, Comega mm-hmm. from the firm. And then he's like, all right, so where the hell this nigga at? Right. <laughs> <laughs> His album never dropped. He had a couple of albums was supposed to drop and they never did, but then he finally dropped this joint. But, but didn't he like just got out of jail that year, though? Um, I, I know think, he was locked up. Well, he was locked up, but I think there were a couple of things because he had an album like in 98 that was supposed to drop with Def Jam because he had signed with Def Jam. And then the album never dropped. It got shelved. And I think he did do a little bit of time, and then eventually he ended up coming back out. And then um, because I know that he was on Murder Music with, with Mom Deep, and there was a few things here and there between them. But, you know, everybody was waiting for that Cormega solo album that came out, come out, and it never did. And I now think about, like, Nas definitely had some disdain towards Cormega at that time when I think about destroying Rebuild. Now I think about the lyrics of it. Yeah. We call him, like, mm-hmm. Buck, we look alike. I'm like, God, that's your man, though. Yeah, he definitely, well, I think part of that and also I think Hate Me Down, a little bit of that was directed towards him as well because, um, you know, him and Mega had a falling out. Mega was supposed to have been a part of the firm, the original firm, and, you know, Mega was out and then they replaced him with Nature, which I think was a, you know, a, a big, big mistake. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the one thing I can say it was good to see them come back together on Nas's King's Disease though um, even though it was, it was almost a little bit too late at that point I think but it was kind of good to be able to hear them and also to see that Nas and Cormega finally ended in squash whatever beef they had but nah and the realness was a solid joint it was um, it was a real a solid joint listening to it and finally being able to see this, you know, hip-hop free agent, uh, you know, next up, kind of get up there. It wasn't, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't say it was a classic, but I would say it was definitely a very dope joint. You know what I'm saying? And um, mm-hmm. it's surprising to be able to see he was able to carry and maintain that momentum. The one that I think I was most surprised by, Project Pat Misters Don't Play, because mm-hmm. I don't really like... 3-6 going into college and I got I got into them as I got into college one because I was around people that love 3-6 and then also you know I started smoking more so when I started I smoking more I them at that time yeah that's why I couldn't say it. I still didn't it was a one I still didn't like yeah. I was still at our, our lunchroom mindset yeah yeah exactly <laughs> right exactly and uh, I, when I started hanging around people that like and I started smoking more, it definitely opened my mind up. And listening to that joint, I was like, yeah, this was definitely a smoker's playlist play over and over again because this was smoking music. And it, I kind of got into it and it was like, yo, you got to look at this music for what it is and understand mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not going to listen to this with the same capacity you won't listen to Nas with. Like, yo, like, understand that. And it's a different flow. And it's a different like, flow. flowing. Yeah. It's not the, it's not the flow that we was used yes, to. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, the second one that I was really surprised by was Pete Rock, Pete's Tremendals. Um, I was mm-hmm. like, yo, how could an album full of instrumentals really be that great? Like, and then you listen to it, and it was just like, oh shit! <laughs> like, oh shit! This is 
this is not just like decent. This is fire. Like, you know, so it's just like, yo, more of this. I want more of this. Like right now, I want more of this right now. So that became a favorite of mine's. And I used to, that became like a cleanup album for me. Like that became a cleanup and a study album for me. Like really. And now we're going to get into most disappointing. <laughs> Y'all might be mad at me for my most disappointing joint, but um, Jay, what about you? So what were you most disappointed in? Something that just didn't meet your expectations at all. Cause like, it's kind of funny. Like the most disappointing ones I didn't actually outright buy, you know what I'm saying? I might have mm-hmm. heard from somebody else. Yeah. Maybe the spark was gone for this man by then, but I'd have to say cannabis with that see true Hollywood stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could you, yeah. Could you really been disappointed by that by then that time. I mean, I was still like, I was still had hope for the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it was like, which I missed in pre-pro. I, the hope was gone after LL was done with him. <laughs> nah, I mean, because I would say 2000 BC was pretty good, but like, and yeah. that was after the fact. Yeah, it was decent. But like, I mean, because because me with that argument, I could say like, you know, it was it was gone after Can I Bust because that was definitely a letdown. His yeah. first drink. Yeah. I mean, but nobody yeah. was really checking for him after that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, so yeah, see true Hollywood stories. Uh, I hate to say it, but like, I guess Wu Tang Iron Flag, like, as much as yes. I'm a fan of them, it just didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> didn't yes. really do it for me. Nah, you're um, right. Mm hmm. Because I tried to block out the chains I thought were, like, for lack of a better term, whack. So, um, to a lesser degree, I, was, I would even say malpractice with a red man drink. Oh, yeah. Nah, not to say, I'm like, with not you to on say, that. Not saying it was whack, but like it didn't have the same intense, like, you know what I'm saying, his first four albums did. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I chalked up, like, you know, by that point, red man was more so messed with like Hollywood. That was like how high. And, yeah. You know, like he had like other stuff going on. So maybe he didn't put all that into his album like he would have on his previous releases. So, yeah. Again, not whack. I mean, because that drink, um, Let's Get Dirty, I mean, I, I believe that was on there, but like, and it had a couple of drinks, but I just it, it just didn't like hit like its previous releases did. Nah, it definitely didn't hit like those first four albums though. Definitely did not. You know the same the same energy that Red Man energy you were expecting to get on an album. I just didn't get that same energy from him. I mean, he, and clearly he still has it nowadays. So that's yeah. like the shit out you drink. It's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> she still got it. He still has his fastball. So Damo, what about you? What were you disappointed in listening to it? That listening to that year. Fabulous album. You were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yes. why were you disappointed in it? What disappointed? Yeah. What disappointed? He had like you? a couple of radio cuts, like the two 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 radio cuts he had off of that. Mm-hmm. And but the rest of the album was. <laughs> I was like, yo, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then it makes you even more mad because the more you think about it, even to more now, like most of the time, his albums really ain't that good. But the mixtapes be fire. Yeah. So I don't know how you get, you get the mixtapes be fire, yeah. but your album be straight toilet water. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. Like, the album's yeah. a little bit more better now, yeah. but it ain't to the... Mm-mm. All his best shit is mixtape shit. Yeah. It, you got artists like that. Yeah. It, it's like, sort of like him and Joe Budden have the same problem. Joe Budden, album Joe Budden and mixtape Joe Budden are two completely different niggas. Like, <laughs> just like with Fab. Mixtape Fab and album Fab ain't the ain't the same one. It's like mixtape Fab is like, yo, if you ain't got this nigga and you're topping the game, something wrong with you. Same thing with Budden. If you ain't got those mood music joints, like, yo, if you don't got Budden, it's almost like the same thing. It's like the mixtape person and the album person ain't the same person. The effort into one versus the other is not the same. 
You right. Why you even be getting the same music? Like, what the hell are you? What's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's. Yeah. It's. Uh. It's. I. I would chalk that up to label stuff, man. That the label is the one that's that's funding the album, so they're gonna want you to do certain things. Mixtapes, you got a little bit more freedom because. Maybe you know, it's Clue fault. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Damn, all on Clue. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Clue, I got three disappointments that I want to point to. Oh, snap. The first one is DJ Clue's The Professional, part two. Yeah. Um, And this had a, a promising start because it had a good first single. That Back to Life 2001 with Mary J and Jada definitely hit, you know, like... You did, but other than that, it really, the rest of it really was a mixed bag, man. It was, um, you know, there was a track on there with Nas Live from the Bridge, and um, but a lot of it was like, it was almost like, yo, this is really the best you can come up with? Like, after you put out The Professional, this is the best you can come out with? And then it's just, I was just a little disappointed in it. Um, the second one that I was disappointed in and y'all gonna be people might be mad at me, but I was disappointed in Jada Kiss Kiss the Game Goodbye. Um, mm. and I was disappointed because I was expecting a lot more, especially because we were really out of anybody from the locks, people were looking out for Kiss's joint a lot more than either Sheik or Styles. So I think I was expecting he had a couple of radio radio joints, you know, knock yourself out, we gonna make it. But other than that, the rest of the album was just as they say on the internet, it was kind of mid to me, you know? It was mid. It wasn't It wasn't really anything that really blew me away. And um, it started the whole thing. We talked about mixtape versus album. It started a run where album-wise, he wasn't putting out, like, the quality stuff he could put out with albums. And it's ironic because Styles was the one to me, mm-hmm. I thought, that Can't put out a better gentleman. first album. Than I was he, about to say. Yeah, man. you know, Can't so. Gentlemen, yeah, on, yeah. Classic. Cla- exactly. Yeah. And then the last one for me, the disappointing was AZ's Nine Lives. AZ has this thing where it's almost like it's like that syndrome that LL Cool J has, puts out a fire album, puts out a disappointing album, fire album, disappointing album, fire album, disappointing album. And to me, this was sort of like this was disappointing. I mean, what I expect a lot out of AZ. I wasn't feel like I felt like I wasn't getting the energy that I needed to get out of him and the exceptionalism I needed to get out of him. There were a couple of tracks on there, like problems and, you know, everything else. But other than that, it's I was disappointed. And that was a joint that was on Motown, too. So I kind of feel like it was a matter of him being on on yet another label after he left another label. And now it's another label not knowing what to do with him. So those are my disappointed joints. The one thing that I will have to say, though, is that um, when it came to party joints this year, definitely this was, and being in college during that time and being during those times in your your collegiate years, as we like to say it, there was definitely a lot of party music that came out during that time that um, that kept the parties going. I mean, another album that came out during that year was Smissy and Missy with uh, Get Your Freak On and One Minute Man and stuff like that. Definitely stuff that was on the soundtrack during that time. Jay, if you remember, that's when that group Coffee Brown came out with After Party. Um, mm-hmm. 112's, their third album came out during that time as well, that part three. So there was a lot of good party music that came out during that time. I just kind of feel like this was really starting 
the beginning of the start of the decline when, you know, things were really starting to go more commercial than anything else. And um, I could tell that by looking at the list of the albums that came out during this time. There we are. So we, we're going to cover a lot of these albums this year from 2001. You're definitely going to hear about Blueprint. Definitely going to hear about Stillmatic, Missy, So Addictive, Word of Mouth. You know, we're going to cover I'm Serious. We're going to look at Mr. Don't Play. That's actually coming up not too long from now. So be on the lookout for that. So we'll cover a lot of this. I'm also looking to do maybe a couple of bonus segments about Cormega the Realness and so that you can take a look to see what it is that we have coming up for that, man. So 2001. Here it is. I was going to say one thing before we head out, though. Yeah. Like, um, going back to the point as far as Morgan, I mean, I know it's more so on the dance hall side, but like as far as like keeping the party going. Yeah. Remember T.O.K.? Oh, yeah, definitely. T.O.K. Like, with uh, that. Now, that song is not a um, a song that is celebrated <laughs> as widely as it was back then. <laughs> right, I'm like, I'm looking back then, I'm like, yeah, yeah. y'all know what y'all singing? Yes. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. It's like, I was just wondering. It's like, yo, I wonder if all these... Yankees in this party know exactly what the hell he's actually saying, yeah. And I mean, it was caught up with the whole my crew, yeah, my, my dogs. dogs. I'm like, do you know what the rest of the song is about? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, a gallo and a fill up my balls. Like, wow, yo, that's <laughs> crazy, yo. Like, T.O.K. Yeah, definitely was dropping some stuff. Bounty Killer was dropping some stuff down there. Baby Sham definitely was on fire during that year too, man. Yeah, um, um, Headed for the Top came out there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that joint was like that was a, a sleeper, I think. But. Yeah, yeah, and he definitely had that joint. He had a, that that uh, collabo with Foxy Brown. So, you know, '01 was a nice little year coming into dance hall, but heading into that next couple of years, dance hall definitely took the next step up into the pop into popular culture, man, with Sean Paul. And um and a lot of different other dance hall acts, man. But so there it is, two thousand one, y'all. Y'all let us know what you think on social media. Hit us up, holla at us. Let us know what your memories are during that particular year, pop culture, hip hop, and otherwise. Hit us up on social media. Interact with us, man. Leave us a comment. Let us know where you stand. We definitely love to hear and interact with all of y'all, man. We do it here, all for you. And that is gonna wrap up yet another edition of the Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our new host on Red Circle. You can also get to any one of our streaming sources, download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews. In the bio of all of our social media pages, you can get to our link tree. And then that link tree, you can get to all of our streaming sources and on all of our social media sites. You can reach us on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can search us by looking for the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the Facebook page. Keep spreading the word out there. Keep interacting up with us on social media. Again, we do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. And always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into the vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV creative and Instagram at I V E C R E eight. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.